Recording in progress. Okay, so we're going to pick it up from Dachlamet Tesam and Beis. The Gemara, the last thing the Gemara said was we were discussing the Machleikas between Abishol and the Rabbanon about whether there's a mitzvah of Yibam, is uh, is the mitzvah of Yibam Lechachila, or as Abishol says, it's only Lechachila if you had the right intention. So the Gemara brought down like a, sort of a riddle. The Bryce said that Yibam's a mitzvah. Originally, you had a choice. Originally, you know, the situation was with the Lashon of the Gemara. Originally, she was mutter, then she became asa, now she's mutter again, but she's not the same. That's the Gemara says. So the Gemara said originally, the Yitzhak Baravdimi says, it's like Abishol, that originally, before she got married to the husband who passed away, you could marry her for any reason. You can marry her because you found her attractive. You can marry her for whatever reason. Then once she beca- that's mutter. Then she became also because she became the sister-in-law. Then when the husband died, she became mutter again because you have to do yibam. But you can't marry her like she's not the same. Meaning, originally you can marry her for any reason, but yibam you could only do l'shem shemayim. That's like Abishol. Rava says no. You could interpret it really according to the rabbanon. And how so? That originally she was mutter, then she became also, then she became mutter, but it's not the same. How so? Before she got married, you could marry her or not marry her. Once she marries the brother, then she's off limits. Then when the brother dies, she's mutter again, but unlike originally where it was optional, it's not optional anymore, you have a mitzvah. That's how Rabbi interprets. So when the Gemara says at the end that it's not the same, it's a mitzvah, Abishol means it's a mitzvah and you can't do it, you have to have the right kavana. And Rabbi says, no, it's a mitzvah, it's not optional anymore. And here's the Gemara's problem. The Gemara says, Amoresha, bottom line. Here's the problem. That Brisa, that there's two interpretations, that Brisa has the beginning of the Brisa. The beginning of the Brisa has a similar riddle, but instead of Yibam, it talks about the Karba Mincha. The Gemara says like this, Matzah Tayecho B'makam Kaidish. The Pasuk says that the Kayin has to eat the carbon Mincha. Yeah, you take a Kmitza, uh, you put it on the Mizbech, and the rest is eaten by the Kayin. So the Gemara says Mitzvah. It's a Mitzvah to eat the carbon Mincha. Go to the next page. Shebetchila Haisla Originally, it was Mutter, Benesra, and then it became Aser, because of Hutra. Now it's Mutter again. You might think that it's the same. That although it's um, it's Mutter, it's not the same. That same riddle by Yibam is, uh, is authored by uh, the Karban Mincha. Now here's the deal. According to Rava, his form of the riddle for Yibam is actually transferable. Because he says, How many Rabbanon he? This is how he would interpret the Bryce. I Meaning, according to Rava, it means that it was originally optional, then it became Aser, now it's Mutter, but it's not optional anymore. The same thing could be said for the Karba Mincha. How so? Before you consecrated the flour for the Karba Mincha, you could eat it. You could not eat it, it's optional. Then it became Aser, because it became a carbon. Then, once you brought the Kamitsa, then it became Mutter. You might think that it's it's optional now. So the Gemara interrupts itself. What do you mean it's optional? You can't have to eat it. So what does it mean? So it became Aser, now it became Mutter again. Meaning, Meaning it became Mutter that you might think that any person could eat it, either you, the Kayin, who's Makravit, other Kehanim, Tamalai Matzah Tachal Makan Kaidesh, Mitzvah. That it's a Mitzvah for the Kayin who brought it. So it's similar, meaning, before you brought it as, before you consecrated it, anybody could eat it. It's flour. 
Once you consecrate it, nobody could eat it. It's also Then it became mutter again. So you might, but it's not the same. How so? Originally, anybody could eat it. Now, it's supposed to be eaten by the Kayin who's makrivit. According to Rav Yitzchak Baradimi, he interprets the case of Yibam, not that it was Asr, now it's Mutter. It's more than that. It's that originally, it's like how you do the mitzvah. It's not whether you do the mitzvah. It's like originally you could marry her for any reason. Now, you have to marry L'Shem Shemaim. How do you plug that in for, for, for a carbon mincha? So the Gemara says, okay, maybe it's like this. Originally, you could eat the carbon, uh, the flour any way you want. You could eat it when you're full, you could eat it when you're hungry. Then it became Aser, then it became Mutter again. So you might think, meaning now it's a carbon, you have to eat it. You might think you should be able to eat it when you're full, like Achilagasa. Kamash Mullah, no. So the Gemara says, but you can't eat it when it's Achila Gasa. You don't need a Pasuk to tell me that. Achila Gasa, Mishma Achila, Vamre Ishlakish, Aich Achila Gasa, Bemi Kippur, and Patam Oleisana. If you eat Achila Gasa in Yom Kippur, it's not, a, it's not considered a prohibition, meaning at least it's not the Raisa, because it's not considered Achila. So how do you interpret the Raisa? It can't be telling you that you don't have, that you're not allowed to eat it when you're full, Achila Gasa, because I already know that. Oh, this is what it means. Originally, before you consecrated it, it was flour, you could eat it as chametz, you could eat it as matzah. Then it became oser, because it became a carbon. Then after you brought the kmitzah, it became butter again, but it's not the same, because you can only eat it matzah, you can't eat it chametz. That's the pasuk. The Gemara says, do you need a pasuk, this pasuk, to tell me that you can't eat it as chametz? The pasuk tells us you're not allowed to bake it as chametz. So I don't need this pasuk to tell me that it has to be eaten as matzah. I already know it has to be eaten as matzah. Oh, I know that it can't be eaten as chametz. What is the pasuk telling me? The pasuk is telling me it's not the same, how so, that originally you could eat it as matzah or as cholot. Cholot is where you take flour, you boil it, and then you bake it. Like a like a bagel, so you might so originally you could eat flour like that, but then after it becomes a carbon, you're not allowed to. Okay, so the Gemara says, Let me see a question. What's the status of a bagel in halacha? Right, it's boiled and then baked. If it's matzah, hamatzi, meaning the pasuk is now telling me that the carbon mincha is not allowed to be eaten as a bagel. So the Gemara says, well, what's the status of a bagel? If it's matzah, meaning if it has the status of bread. Then it's matzah. I already know that it's allowed. It should be allowed. Eloi matzi, and if it's not considered matzah, matzah samarachwana. The pasuk says matzah. I mean, the pasuk says the carbon mincha has to be matzah. So I have a special pasuk to tell me, and I'll eat it as a bagel, which is boiling and then baking. If boiling and baking is matzah, it should be allowed. If it's not matzah, I don't need a pasuk. So what exactly is the status? The Gemara says loy loy lamemelach matzi Really, it's considered matzah in halacha, but for whatever reason, the Torah doesn't want it to be boiled first; it wants it to be baked. So the Gemara says, So you're telling me that, that the bagel uh, cooking process is considered matzah, but it's not considered matzah for a carbon. So what is it considered matzah regarding then? It's considered matzah that you could be eating, uh, eating matzah on uh, the Lil Seder. You could eat matzah the Lil Seder if it's prepared by boiling and then baking. Even though you're first boiling it, because it's subsequently baked, it's considered a poor man's bread, and it can be yaitza, the mitzvah of achilas matzah, if it's prepared that way. But the Pasuk is telling me that you cannot, for whatever reason, it cannot be brought for the carbon mincha, but it could be brought, uh, it could be eaten as matzah. The Mishnah says like this, 
anyone who performs chalitza, so let's say his four brothers, one of the brothers performs chalitza, he's considered one of the brothers when it comes to the inheritance, meaning that when the brother passed away, his inheritance is passed along to the other brothers. So the one who does chalitza also gets a share. The Gemara is going to explain well, that you might think that because he did chalitza, he forfeits his share. No, he gets a share. Then the Mishnah continues. Now, if there is a father who's still alive when the brother passed away, then the deceased brother's property goes, instead of the brother's, it goes to the father, like any other laws of inheritance. Then the Mishnah says, If you do Yibam, you get the inheritance of the person who passed away. That's the Shita of the Chachamim. Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, Rabbi Yehuda feels that if you do Yibam, then you get the Nechassim of the person who passed away. But says Rabbi Yehuda, if the father is alive, when you do Yibam, then the inheritance does not go to the person who did Yibam, it actually goes to the father. Because when the brother passed away, automatically the Yerusha goes to the father, because that's the laws of Yerusha. So then when you do Yibam, you don't get it. I mean, the feel that you get it. When you do Yibam, it's like a reward that you get it. Rabbi says, no, if there's a father who's alive, then the inheritance goes to the father and not to the Yavim. The Yavim does not get a share in the inheritance. By the way, he doesn't get a double share either because this consider this is considered the brother's share and not the father's. Yeah, so the, the Yavim doesn't get it now and he doesn't get a double share when, when the father passes away. So the Gemara says, Pshita, it's Pasha, meaning... The Mishnah started off by saying that the one who does chalitza gets a share. So, Pasha, why not? So, the Gemara has polar opposites. It starts off by saying that you might think, what would the Havamina be? So, the Gemara starts off by saying that the Havamina is that the one who does chalitza should get everything. So, you might think, if not for this Mishnah, chalitza makam yibam kaima, that the one who does chalitza is like the one who did yibam. That the one who did chalitza is like the one who did yibam. And the one who does Yibam gets the entire inheritance. So you might think that the one who does Chalitza also gets the entire inheritance. And he should get the entire estate. That the one who does Chalitza gets a share like the other brothers. So the point is, the Gemara is saying that if not for the Mishnah, you might think that the one who does Chalitza gets everything, he gets a share. Then the Gemara says, If that's the case, Then it shouldn't say that the, the Lashon is not Meduktuk, because according to this, the Chiddush of the Mishnah is that the one who does Chalitza has a share, it shouldn't, it doesn't get all of it, he gets only a part of it, so then it should say he only gets a part of it. The Lashon of the Mishnah is, that he's like one of the brothers, it should be, means he's only like one of the brothers, meaning the implication of the Lashon of the Mishnah is that he gets a share, but you're telling me that the Chiddush is that he only gets a share, it should be that he gets a share. Because, it, meaning, what's the Havamina? When you read the Mishnah, it implies that before the Mishnah, he gets nothing. Now, because of the Mishnah, he gets something. But the Gemara says that if not for that, if not for, um, the, the fan is making noise. So, it, it, the, the Gemara is saying that if not for the Mishnah, you might think, again, the Lashen of the, Lashen of the Mishnah is, implies that if not for the Mishnah, he would get nothing. But you're telling me, no, if not for the Mishnah, he gets everything. That's not the Lashen of the Mishnah. Rather, you might think, that you might think, if not for the Mishnah, that he gets nothing. That because he does Chalitza, he forfeited his share as a brother. No, he gets a share. Okay. Then the Mishnah says, Im Yesham Av. That if after doing chalitza, if there's a father, then the estate goes to the father. Because the laws of inheritance are that the father gets the estate of the person who passed away, of the son who passed away. Then the Mishnah says, that when you do Yibam, the, ta- the Chacham field, the one who does Yibam gets the estate. 
the Pasuk says that he should take over the deceased brothers. And he did. So therefore he gets the inheritance. Rav Yehuda though disagrees. Rav Yehuda Oimer, Rav Yehuda feels that if there's a father that's alive, then the father gets it, and not the one who does Yibam. Amr Ula, Halach Rav Yehuda. Ula says the Halacha follows Rav Yehuda, V'chena Rav Yitzchak Nafcha Halacha Rav Yehuda, and Rav Yitzchak Nafcha also says the Halacha follows Rav Yehuda. V'amr Ula, V'yitame Rav Yitzchak Nafcha, my time with the Rav Yehuda. What's the reason, Rav Yehuda, that the father gets the estate? The pasuk says it should be the firstborn that's born. Meaning, kibachar. The pasuk teaches you that the yavam is treated like the firstborn. Meaning, the pasuk is telling you that the, the yavam is like a bachar, just like the bachar gets an er, extra inheritance. So, to the yavam gets the deceased inheritance. But then, it has to be like a Bechar, just like a Bechar does not get an inheritance when his father's alive, right? Someone passes away. The brother that's the oldest doesn't get a share. It goes to the father. So the Bechar does not have a, a double portion when the father's alive. He only gets a double portion when the father passed away. So too, the Yavam only gets the, inher- the deceased estate when the father's not alive. If the father's alive, then it goes to the father. So the Gemara says, "Well, here's the problem. We're saying that the Yavam is treated like a Bechar, just like the Bechar does not get a double estate when the father's alive, so to the Yavam does not get the deceased brother's estate when the father's alive. Here's the problem. If you're going to treat the Yavam like the Bechar, then what happens, according to Yehuda, yeah, someone does, someone passes away, before the brother does Yibam, the father gets the estate because the father's alive. Then when the father passes away, the one who does Yavim doesn't get a double estate, he get, does a, a double share, he gets a share like everyone else. But wait a minute, if you're treating the Yavim as a Bechar, then it should be that just like the Bechar gets double when the father passes away, so to the Yavim should also get double when he passes away. So why is it that the Yavim, when the father passes away, the Yavim gets a share like everyone else? He should get double, if you're going to treat him like a Bechar. So the answer is, Midi Yakum Hashem Aviv Ksiv, Yakum Hashem Aviv Ksiv, V'loy Hashem Aviv. The problem is, Although he's treated like a Bechar, that he does not get a double estate. He does not get the estate when his father's alive. He does not get double when the father passes away. Why? Because when the Pasuk says that the Yavim gets it, when it describes him as a Bechar, the Pasuk describes as Yakim Hashem Achiv, that he's taking over the brother. Not that he's taking over the father. Meaning, he's a Bechar regarding the brother's relationship with him. But he's not considered a Bechar regarding taking over the father. When it comes to taking over the father, he's not a Bechar. He doesn't say that he takes over his father's estate, so that when the father dies, he gets it. No, he takes over the brother's estate. And if he couldn't take over the brother's estate in this case because the father's alive, then he's like anything else, that when the father passes away, he gets a share. But he doesn't get more than that. Maybe... If you're telling me that the Yavam is treated as a Bechar, then maybe, but when the father's alive, he doesn't get it. Maybe when the father's alive, he shouldn't have to do Yibam. Right? Maybe there's only a mitzvah of Yibam when the father's dead. Right? You're telling me that normally the Yavam gets the brother's estate, but when the father's alive, he doesn't have the brother's estate because the father's alive, so maybe he doesn't have to do Yibam in that case. Meaning, maybe you only have to do Yibam when you get the estate, and if the, father, and if the father's alive, so he doesn't get the estate, maybe he doesn't have to do Yibam. 
Therefore, there's no Havamina, there's no possibility that when he doesn't get the estate, he doesn't have to do Yibam. The Mitzvah of Yibam is independent of him making money. It's not like a, it's not a financial uh, ploy. And therefore, he has to do Yibam regardless. Yosef Rav Chanina Kameda Rav Yanai. Yosef Ikomer Halach Rav Yehuda. Rav Yanai said the Halacha follows Rav Yehuda, that when the father's alive, he gets it. Amrlei, Pukkari Krayach Lebra. When, when Rav Yanai said to him, so Rav Chanina said to Rav Yanai, the halacha follows Rav Yehuda. Rav Yanai said, go, go outside and teach. Ain't halacha Rav Yehuda. Meaning you're incorrect. The halacha does not follow Rav Yehuda. Okay. So Tani Tana came to Rav Nachman. The price was torn in front of Rav Nachman. Ain't halacha Rav Yehuda. The halacha does not follow Rav Yehuda. Amr le Ela commands, he says, who does the halacha follow? Like the Rabbanon, obviously. So he says, oh, Shita, Yachav Ram Alacha Karabim. Meaning, why do you have to have a price that tells me that the halacha follows the Rabbanon? It's Yachav Ram Alacha Karabim. So the Gemara says, Ismay. So he says, should I erase the b'risa? Meaning, if it's so pointless, should I erase it? He says, Loi. He says, no, we have to realize this b'risa, while it seems meaningless, that this b'risa is coming to teach you that the Allah follows the Rabbanon, because you'd say it's Pasha that follows the Rabbanon. The answer is, originally this b'risa said the Allah follows the Yehuda. Then the b'risa, someone asked the kash on the b'risa. And then, a lot of times you have this, where like the b'risa starts off by saying a chiddush. Then the Gemara asked the kash on the chiddush. He says, okay, you're right. And originally the b'risa was taught the following. It said, Allah follows the Yehuda. Then the kash on it was, why would the Allah follow the Yehuda when he's a yachid? So the Gemara says, okay, you're right. Change the text of the b'risa. So now, now that's an interesting, uh, that's that's a purposeful teaching because you, you go through the evolution of having a teaching, having a question on it, and then you conclude that Allah follows the Rabboni had to change the text. But now that we have the perfected version, the taka seems meaningless, but he's saying you, you shouldn't erase the b'risa because originally the b'risa was taught differently and it's only after it was amended that it seems uh, superfluous. Okay, mission the bottom of the Amit. The Mishnah says like this. Mishnah says, One who does chalitza to a, to a woman. Who also The Allah is, you're not allowed to marry her relatives. Meaning that when a man marries a woman, her... Yeah, so when a man, a man marries a woman, the halacha is that he's not allowed to marry her relatives. Chazal made it that when you do chalitza to a woman, you're also not allowed to marry her relatives. You're not allowed to marry her mother, her sister, her daughter, because it's as if you're married. Meaning Chazal treated the woman you did chalitza to, to as if you got married to her. And you're not allowed to marry her relatives. And she's not allowed to marry your relatives. Now, what's interesting about this, go to the next page. A lot of the people that she's not allowed to marry, she wasn't allowed to marry anyway because she was married to the person's brother. But she's now also not allowed to marry his relatives as well. So if he has relatives that his brother did not, then they would be Aser as well. So the Gemara Misha goes through. Who Aser Bima? He's not allowed to marry the mother of the woman, Chalitza, Amy mother, grandmother, Ema Via, the grandmother on the father's side, Bita, her daughter, Basbita, her granddaughter, Basbina, her granddaughter, through the son, Achaisa, her sister, Bismanshi Kayamas, as long as she's still alive, 
But the other brothers are allowed to marry those women because the other brothers did not do chalitza to her. And she's not allowed to marry the father of the one who did chalitza. Babi Ava, the grandfather. Benoi, the son. Ben Benoi, the grandson. Ba'achiv, the brother. Ben Achiv, and the brother's son, the nephew. All of these people of the of the man who did chalitza to her, she's not allowed to marry. Then the Mishnah concludes, Muter Adam Bikroivas Tsaras Chalutzasai. Let's say there's two women. This is Rachel Leah. You did Chalitza, they're two co wives, not sisters, co wives. You did Chalitza to Rachel. So the halacha is all of the relatives of Rachel are off limits, but Leah's relatives are allowed. Meaning Chazal made it that when you did Chalitza to one, it's not as if you did Chalitza to both. That woman that you did Chalitza to, she's Aser. You're not allowed to marry her relatives. But Leah, the co-wife, her relatives are permitted. However, Chazal did say that the relative, let's say uh, you, you did Chalitza to a woman, so we said to Rachel. So we say you're not allowed to marry Rachel, obviously. You're also not allowed to marry Rachel's sister, Rachel's daughter, Rachel's mother. So the halacha is not only are you not allowed to marry those women, you're not allowed to marry their co-wives. So let's say Rachel's daughter has, is married to a person, she has a co-wife. So not only are you not allowed to marry Rachel's daughter, you're also not allowed to marry Rachel's daughter's co-wife. So they're also off-limits. Okay, Chazal uh, extended it, we'll see why. Meaning, uh, Leah, which is the co-wife of, of the woman you did Chalitza to, her family is fine. But Rachel, but the, the woman you did Chalitza to, not only are you not allowed to marry her relatives, but her relatives' co-wives are also off-limits. We'll see why Chazal uh, extended it that way. Okay, so let's start the Gemara. So the Gemara's cash is like this. There are relatives that you're not allowed to marry, the relatives of the Chalutza, you're not allowed to marry. The question is, did they make Shnias? If you remember, there's biblical relatives and then there's rabbinic relatives. The question is, what if someone's a rabbinic relative of a woman you did Chalitza to? Uh, are you allowed to marry the rabbinic relatives? If a person is a rabbinic relative of a woman you did chalitza to, are you allowed to marry them or not? Now, when it comes to regular arayas, Chazal extended it to rabbinic arayas. So maybe they did not extend it by chalutza. I don't wish or perhaps no. They made it by deraisa and derabona by chalutza. Also, they treat a chalutza as like an eshesish or whatever eshesach, and you're not allowed to marry her relatives or her rabbinic relatives. So. Let's try to prove it. Now, Toshima, let's prove it as well, from here. Hu aser be'ima u be'emima. It says that he's not allowed to marry the grandmother of the woman he did chalitza to. Bilu eim eimima like katani. Now, it doesn't say the great-grandmother. The great-grandmother is a shniya. So why doesn't the Mishnah say that that's aser? So it must be that's mutter. So you see that they did not create shniyas. Rabbinic arayas were never extended by chalitza. That's why you're allowed to marry the great-grandmother, because it doesn't say that it's aser. Sigmar says no. Really, maybe you're not allowed to great, marry the great grandmother, and they made shniyas by chalutza. So why isn't it listed? Maybe the reason why it doesn't say that you're aser by the great grandmother is not because it's mutter, but really you're aser. So why isn't it listed? Because if it would have said you're not allowed to marry the great grandmother, the woman you did chalitza to. What does the end of the Mishnah say? The other brothers are allowed to marry the relatives. If it would have said you're not allowed to marry the great-grandmother, but then it would have said the brothers are allowed, you might think the brothers are only allowed in the great-grandmother. But the brothers will not be allowed to marry the sister or the daughter or the mother of the woman who did chalitza. You might think that it's only allowed for the brothers to marry the shnia, but for the actual arayas, maybe that would be a problem. 
So therefore, it didn't list the great grandmother. But not to say that it's mutter. It's just it didn't want to get into the details. The Gemara says, "Velisni aim aim ima." And the Gemara says, yeah, but you could just list the great-grandmother's officer, and then you could list the brothers and butcher in all the relationships. Kasha, it's a good kasha. Okay. But we're still going to try to prove whether Chazal made Shniyas, whether Chazal extended the Isser of the relatives of a Chalutza to Rabbinic Arias as well. Now, what the Gemara is going to allow to do is, it's going to be rejected back and forth. The Gemara is going to try to bring proofs that there are certain men that she's not allowed to marry, that she's not allowed to marry relatives of the man who did chalutza, chalitza, and those relatives are shniyos. But the problem the Gemara is going to constantly reject is, you have to remember, you have Reuven and Shimon. She was married to Reuven, and then Reuven died, and then she did chalitza to Shimon. So a lot of Shimon's relatives are off-limits. We're going to try to bring proofs. Oh, he's a shni and it's off-limits. Not a shni off-limits. You have to remember, a lot of these relationships are off-limits because of her marriage to Reuven. Reuven and Shimon are brothers. So a lot of the people that she... Like, she can't marry Reuven's father. But not because it's Shimon's father that Shimon did Chalitza, but because it's Reuven's father. It's her ex-husband's father. So you have to realize, because they're brothers, there's a tremendous overlap, and that's why a lot of the proofs are going to be rejected, because we're going to try to prove, oh, this person she's not allowed to marry, and that's a Shnia. And the answer is, it's not... It's not a shnia of, of the chalutza that's the problem. We're trying to prove whether they created shnias by chalitza. It's not that the shnias by chalitza that's a problem. It's the fact that it's her first husband's relatives as well, because they're brothers. So we're going to see. The Gemara says, Tashima, he asura ba'aviv uba'avi aviv. She's not allowed to marry the father of the person who did chalitza or the grandfather. Ah, so katani mia avi aviv. A grandfather is a shnia. And it says she's not allowed to marry him. So you see that when Chazal is, made the iser of chalitza, it extended to shnias as well. My lab mishem chalitz. To have a lakalis benoyce. You see that she's not allowed to marry a grandfather. And that's uh, uh, of the chalitza. The answer is loy. Mishem misna. To have a lakalis benoyce. The answer is no. She's not allowed to marry the grandfather. Not because of chalitza, but because her first husband. It's his grandfather too. And because it's his grandfather, she is also because of her marriage. She married Reuben. And then Reuben died, and then she did Chalitza to Shimon. So she can't marry Shimon's grandfather. But not because of Shimon, because it's Reuben's grandfather also, so it's not a good proof. We're trying to prove that when they made the Isra of Chalitza, it is a Chalitza, it extends to the grandparents, but there's no way to prove that from that case, because that person is is, is Reuben's grandfather as well. Okay, Tashima, Ben Benoy, she's not allowed to marry the grandson of the person who did Chalitza. My love, Mishim Chalitz, Tav, Mishim Eishis, Avi, Aviv. Oh, so you see that's a grandson, and that's a Shnia. So the answer is no. Loy, The reason why she's not allowed to marry the grandson or the person to chalitza is not because of the chalitza. It's because of her first husband. The grandson of the person who did chalitza is the great nephew of her first husband. And the iser is because the great nephew of the first husband has nothing to do with chalitza. So there's no indication of whether they make shniyas by chalitza, by the chalitza. It's because the first husband's the great great nephew. So because of the great nephew of the first husband, that's the problem. So the Gemara says. So you're telling me the problem is that it's the great nephew. But doesn't Amemer say that you're allowed to marry a great nephew? A woman's allowed to marry her husband's great nephew. So if that's allowed, so what's the problem here? So the answer is, Amemar, when he says, when it says you're not allowed to marry the grandson, it doesn't mean the grandson when you did chalitza. It means the grandson of their father, meaning, i.e., the brother, <laughs> meaning, so when it says that you're not allowed to marry the grandson, it doesn't mean the grandson of, of, of the person she did chalitza, it means the grandson of the father of the person she did chalitza, in other words, in other words, her nephew. So the issue is, the nephew of her deceased is not the grandson. The Gemara says, achi, hainu achi, ben achi, but isn't that already listed, she's not allowed to marry the nephew? The answer is, Two times it's listed nephew. One's a nephew from the from the father's side, paternal nephew, one's a maternal nephew, but it's taka repeated. Tashima, 
Okay, let's bring another proof. Again, we're trying to prove whether chalitza was the iser of chalitza was extended to shnias as well. So Tashma, the Tani of Chia, of Chia taught arba medivrei tayrav, arba medivrei soifrim. There are four relatives that are aser dairaisa. There are four relatives of chalutza that she can't marry because of her biblical connection, and therefore that are rabbinic. So, meaning Shimon is the one who did chalitza. Four of them are considered primary arayas, and four are secondary. Who are the primary? Av, Benoi, the father, the one who chalitza, the son of the chalitza, Achiv, Ben Achiv, the brother and the nephew. Medivri Torah, those are biblical arayas. Avi Aviv, then you have a grandfather, Avi Imai, grandfather from the mother's side, Ben Benayu, Ben Bitai, and grandsons. Medivri Torah, from those are all rabbinic. So the Gemara says, Ketani Mias, Avi Aviv. Oh, you see that she's not allowed to marry the grandfather of the one who did Chalitza. My Lamashem Chalitz, Avi Kalis Benay. Again, that's a Shnia, and you see that it's a problem. So the answer is, Loi Mishem Misa, the Havli Kalis Benay. The same answer. That is, the reason why she can't marry the one who did Chalitza's grandfather is not because she did Chalitza, it's because her ex husband's grandfather as well. It's the same grandfather. So the issue is not because of the Chalitza, it's predating the Chalitza. It has to do with the fact that the husband, the Chalitza, and the husband who passed away were brothers. So the issue is that it's her ex-husband's grandfather as well. The Gemara says, Avi Imai. It says the grandfather, the mother's father of the one who did Chalitza, maternal grandfather. Again, we're assuming that the issue is because you did Chalitza and you see that that's a Shnia. Again, now the answer is, uh, the issue is because of her ex-husband, the first husband, it's also his grandfather, and that's the problem. Tashima, ben Benoy, she's not allowed to marry the grandson of the one who did Chalitza, obviously we're assuming that the issue is because the one who did Chalitza, and you see that that's a problem, so the answer is loy, mishum misna, the answer is the issue is not because of the one who did Chalitza, but because of the ex-husband, it's because this grandson of the one she did Chalitza is a great-nephew of her first husband. And because it's a great-nephew of the first husband, Chazal asserted it, but it has nothing to do with the one Chalitza. But doesn't Amemar allow the great-nephew? The answer is, Amemar Taka would hold that they made that they normally a great nephew is mutter. Why is it us over here? It's because the issue is not because of the great nephew of the first husband. It's because of the one who did chalitza. Meaning, Amei Taka holds that when they made the issue of chalitza, it was extended to shnias as well. But it's no indication. The other poskim would say this. So Tashima, Ben Bito, it says, you're not allowed to marry the, the daughter's son, the grandson of the one who did chalitza. Again, we're assuming it's because of chalitza. The answer is not because it's a great nephew. I but wait a minute. This type of great nephew is mutter uh, in all situations. It must be that it's not because of the first husband, it's because of the one who did chalitza. So you see that Chazal extended shnias by chalitza as well. Okay, just to finish up the daf. We said in the Mishnah that when you have uh, two women, you have Rachel and Leah, they're co-wives, and you did Chalitza to Rachel, so you're not allowed to marry her relatives, but you're ma- allowed to marry Leah's relatives. So, If you live with the co-wife of the did Chalitza, so let's you have Rachel and Leah, so you did Chalitza to Rachel, and you lived with, with Leah, so the Allah is, if you, that's an Isser Karis, and if you have a child from that, and Yechayev Kares, and the child's a mamzer. Meaning, when you do Chalitza to Rachel, it's not as if you did Chalitza to Leah as well. It's just Rachel. Leah remains your sister-in-law. 
And therefore, if you live with Leah and have a child, that's a mamzer. My time up, Isura Because when he did Chalitza to Rachel, it's not as if he did Chalitza to Leah as well. It's just Rachel. Rav Yosef, I'll prove it to you that Chalitza to one sister is not as if you did Chalitza to the other, because Because we know that when you do Chalitza to Rachel, you're not allowed to marry her relatives, but you're allowed to marry Leah's relatives. So it must be that Chalitza to Rachel is not as if you did Chalitza to Leah. Therefore, that explains why if you live with Leah, you'll be, have to, the child will be like a mamzer. So it must be the fact that you're allowed to marry. Leia's relatives, it must be that when you did Chalitza to Rachel, it's not as if you did Chalitza to Leia. So the Gemara says, This is all not like Raviyechanan. The halacha is that Raviyechanan said that if you live with the woman you did Chalitza to, there's a lav. And then if you live with the woman, the co wife of the one in Chalitza, it's also a lav. Why? Because Rachel holds. Yes. So, because Rachel, because Rav Yechonon holds that when you did chalitza to Rachel, it's as if you did chalitza to Leah as well. So the Gemara says, so it's as if you did chalitza to, to Leah as well. So our Gemara is not like that because Rav Yechonon is saying that when you did chalitza to Rachel, it's as if you did chalitza to Leah, and they're both only alive. But wait a minute, our Mishnah says that you're allowed to marry the relatives of Leah, but not allowed to marry the relatives of Rachel. So you see the Rachel and Leah are not the same. So Rav Yechanan says that Rachel and Leah are treated the same. That the Chalitza to Rachel is as if he did Chalitza to Leah. But then why would our Mishnah say that the relatives of Leah are mutter? It should be the Leah to Leah, the relatives of Leah are also. So the Gemara answers no. Stay outside, see it inside. And that is, Rav Yechanan responds, really when you did Chalitza to Rachel, it's as if he did Chalitza to Leah, that they're both only alive. So why is it that the relatives of Leah are mutter and the relatives of Rachel are The answer is, the whole relatives of a Chalitza being Aser is rabbinic. So Chazal only made it, they only extended it to the one that you actually did Chalitza to. So really when you did Chalitza to Rachel, it's as if Leah got Chalitza also. And therefore they're both only a lav. I So why are the relatives Leah Mutter? Because the whole thing is a rabbinic, rabbinic, erva, uh, Chalutzasa is a rabbinic erva. It's rabbinic. So Chazal never extended it to the woman who practically didn't do it, even though halachically it's as if you did it, but it was never extended to her. So because it's Dibri Seifrim, Chazal never extended it to the woman who did not do Chalitza. Now, just to end with this, the Mishnah said that if you have Rochon Leah, so Rachel and Leah, you do Chalitza to Rachel, you're allowed to marry the relatives of Leah, but Rachel's relatives are also, and not only are Rachel's relatives also, you're not allowed to marry the co-wives of Rachel's relatives. So Rachel's daughter's co-wife is also off-limits. The Gemara says, Maishna hai, Maishna hai. Why is it that Leah's relatives are fine, but Rachel's relatives and the co-wives of the relatives are also? What's the Pshat? So go to the next page, end with this. The answer is, Chazal felt that when you do Chalitza to Rachel, who accompanies Rachel when she does Chalitza? So her, her relatives. So meaning, so when Rachel goes to do Chalitza, who takes her? Her daughter, her mother, her sister. So therefore, Chazal made it that when you did Chalitza to Rachel, they're going to be very strict on Rachel's relatives because they're the ones who are present. But Leah, the co-wife, who's not present at the time, Chazal never extended it. That's why the Leah is never is not a problem. Her relatives are fine because the Chalitza was never extended to her. But Rachel, not only is she also, but the relatives are also, and the relatives are also going to ask their Tzaris, because the relatives of Rachel were present at the time of the Chalitza. I will stop here.